Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast where we pair compelling themes with some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. And this week, before we get back into our normal pairing of properties and themes, we're going to add a little coda to our mini-season on The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by having a sorting chat where we sort the characters from the book into their Hogwarts houses. So we should probably start off with the main character, one Coriolanus Snow. What what house do you think that Snow might be in? Well, he thinks he's the best, so he probably would want to get sorted first. That's true. That's absolutely true. <laughs> well, at the beginning, when I first started reading the book, I was like, huh, maybe he has some, like, Ravenclaw parts of him hmm. because he seemed to be interested in some philosophical questions and when he was a kid he like cried when they had to burn the books to keep warm and whatnot hmm. but the more I read the the book the more I was just like nah you're just a Slytherin like and you give us a really bad name <laughs> and it bothers me <laughs> yeah yeah he really is just exactly the type of Slytherin that even the Harry Potter books kind of make it seem like Slytherins are all, like this kind of archetypical villain who only cares about themselves and their ambition. But he's just so, so tied to his his ambition. There was a time when I was thinking about where I'd sort him where I was like, would he just be evil Hufflepuff? And then I was like, no, loyalty only matters if it's to power in the capital uh fair play not at all he does work hard and he does i think believe in hard work through his twisted privilege style right when when he talks about how the people of district 12 are to blame for their for their status i feel like you that could be a way of valuing hard work and seeing them not representing it in the way that he expects uh, again yes. obviously in a twisted warped way as well yes but I think a moment where he kills both a potential Ravenclaw side and a Hufflepuff side would be when he's thinking about, oh, going to officer school would be even better than going to university because I might be able to like make it to the top faster. It's like, okay, you, you cannot even say the word Ravenclaw, just go away. Yeah, absolutely. At one point, I believe he he thinks, what is there to life if there's no struggle for power or ambition? And yeah, he's he's a Slytherin. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, Yeah, he's gross. He is not not my Slytherin. Hashtag (laughs) not my Slytherin. Um, (laughs) He he makes. Draco Malfoy just look really nice. Yeah. Like a real nice dude. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> At Re- least remember- he changed. <laughs> <laughs> remember Somewhat. how hard it was for Draco to kill anyone? And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> how easy it becomes for Snow? Yeah. And like, now I'm just comparing characters, but I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> at least Draco grew up in like a terribly racist home. Whereas... Snow got to grow up with Tigress. You know, obviously his his dad and his grandmam were really bad, but his mom didn't seem to be quite as bad and then Tigress was great. So, yeah, he's just he's just real bad. Yeah, he's he's real bad. <laughs> so, 
he would want us to keep talking about him, but we won't because he does not deserve it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess. Well, we what should... about Lucy Gray then? Yeah, she's she's an interesting one. I don't know. I I feel like in some ways she's a little bit hard to place. I don't know. For me, she's the other side of that Slytherin coin. She's a good representation of a Slytherin, where. She has ambition. She ha- She's absolutely resourceful. She's very cunning, but she does this in ways that are compassionate and that at times are about self-preservation and trying to meet whatever ambition she could. But I think that she, she shows how someone who has similar traits as Snow can use them in ways that are positive. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I definitely see the resourcefulness and the cunningness. The ambition is a little bit hard for me. I mean, she does like to be in the spotlight for sure, Mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily ambition, but can overlap. But she was also, like, she wouldn't have at all the same attitudes about running away from District 12 and, like, trying to make it in the wilderness. I I don't know. Maybe, Maybe part of, maybe she would be a lot more ambitious if she wasn't a marginalized group already Mm. in a marginalized district you know if she actually had opportunities to become famous or something like that yeah since she doesn't have those privileges maybe that's why that part doesn't come out as much that's a really good point i I think maybe the one place you might see ambition is her saying you know maybe i'll survive i can win this and Mm -hmm. uh, about the games and not just believing that she is going to to die because she can't physically match up to some of the other tributes, but believing that her resourcefulness and her cunning might be able to get her through it and actually having that that ambition, maybe. Yeah, and, and she did. Yeah. I think she's got certainly some other traits. You know, she's got great loyalty to the Covey. But I think only to the Covey. Yeah, yeah. Her, her loyalty to those who she's actually loyal to. Um, Mm -hmm. And to those who earn her trust, and that can change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, I like the idea of her and Snow both being Slytherins, but showing how that house itself can contain those kinds of multitudes. That's true. And it does go along with our trend from previous sorting chats we've had for Hunger Games, where it's like, nobody who makes it out of a Hunger Games is a Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. Like, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> so, like, they have to at least be part Slytherin yeah. or Gryffindor or it just, you know, they die at the cornucopia, so. Yeah, yeah, very good point. <laughs> you you see what happens to a, a Ravenclaw in the arena with Tesli mm. and, and Cirque, you know? The, like, Tesli was so so absorbed in her task with the drones that Mm. she didn't notice someone was like coming up to kill her so yeah good point that's what happens to alien claws so (laughs) but i guess we should move on to sejanus plinth hashtag good boy sejanus plinth hashtag gryffindoriest gryffindor yeah he's he's about as gryffindor as you can get (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah literally sacrificing himself for a cause yeah. Yes. Yes. And like being willing to multiple times in a few months time. Like <laughs> yelling at the powers that be because they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very, very Gryffindor. 
But, I mean, I think he does have a little bit of Slytherin, too, because he's very cunning and resourceful. Hmm. Snow had absolutely no idea he was lying to him until he snooped through his stuff, you know? Yeah. And buy guns, meet up with the rebels, he was able to get into the arena. Like, he was able to do stuff that's like, whoa, okay. Yeah, that's true. I I feel like maybe Snow is just more, so much more cunning that ultimately he was still able to manipulate Sejanus. But he definitely, in the actions that he does on his own, uh, shows that cunningness, too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Sejanus. Oh, Sejanus. How about Tigress? Tigress is also interesting. I think she has some Slytherin there, too. Mm. Because she is possibly one of the most resourceful characters we've seen. Totally. She uses it for fashion, but... Not only in this book, which we see, and with her making him basically a whole new outfit out of things they just had Mm -hmm. around, but also in the original trilogy, too, we get to see her style them all, like, perfectly so they can go out into all of the other capital refugees and completely blend in and, like, hide all of their weapons and everything. Like, (laughs) yeah, so she's incredibly resourceful also i mean if she made it to be one of the top stylists then it seems like she could have some ambition there too Mm -hmm. she also says snow lands on top you know she she doesn't Mm -hmm. have the same awful context that coriolanus has for it but that is also a guiding tenant for her well and if she was a part of the rebellion and didn't get found out then she's got to have some cunning there too I mean, yeah, she she at least has the basement space that shows that she's prepared for going around the law. Absolutely. So I, I think that yeah. she definitely shows a lot of Slytherin. For me, though, also her hard work is so clear, which mm-hmm. makes me think also Hufflepuff, especially in contrast to, to Snow. She is doing everything around that house and has a full-time job. And mm-hmm. she drops out of school in order to support him and she is loyal to him and to their family in ways that clearly she has made some decisions that she alludes to that that again show her resourcefulness but also her willingness to to do what she needs to for her family and 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 so that also makes me think very that there's a lot of Hufflepuff traits in her too. I agree and whereas she's not comfortable with everything the capital does and thinks the games are horrible and whatnot Mm. but i think the sacrifices that she makes are made out of loyalty to specific people rather than i think to necessarily the cause yeah agreed that that we see you know maybe there was other stuff i mean and she is loyal to her family even the grandmam who's terrible yeah And, and i think that she some of the comments she makes about the the horrors of the Hunger Games show some belief in fair play as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember them specifically, but yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah. So perhaps Slitherpuff. Yeah. Maybe this mm. is why I love these books so much. They're just filled with Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> you just see yourself in every character. No, not necessarily. But you know, you don't often get so many characters that are so diverse that are all Slytherins. You know. That- that's so true, yeah. And it is really, really great seeing 
multiple characters that have these traits that, again, can often be lambasted or archetyped as negative, but can utilize them in ways that are positive as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what about one Dr. Gall? The most positive character. Yes. <laughs> I think that she is 100% a Ravenclaw gone wrong. She apparently has studied a bunch of stuff, or at least could teach a bunch of stuff. Yeah, she, she's a DNA scientist who can also teach military strategy, which sounds, I guess, <laughs> kind of Ravenclaw-y. Exactly. <laughs> and she creates mutations. Like, she's just in her lab doing experiments and stuff all the time. And not only that, but it's like the political theory is interesting to her. And like, the ideas are what motivate her. And it's like, she has a lot, a lot of power, but she doesn't need to be the president. I think mm. she's perfectly happy to just continue doing what she's doing and figure out how to make the system more effective and, you know. Yeah. On the other hand, although I think that you're you're probably right, I do see maybe an element of Gryffindor gone bad because though she couches her her ideas in the philosophy that she, she espouses, I don't think that she's necessarily interested in exploring that philosophy and putting it up in contrast to other philosophies and seeing where where it's it needs to be strengthened i think that she sees it as this this moral good or right and then she just fights to preserve it no matter what and so it's a someone who is fighting for what they think is right even though what they think is right is awful but who kind of is motivated in so much by that type of idealism um, might be, yeah, a, a dark Gryffindor. Possibly, but I don't know. Her being so like, well, we'll send you on this little vacation and this will help change things for you. And I'll just pose questions to you. Like, I don't really see a strong moral center. I think she believes something is the only way because she thinks that it's true rather than that it's right. Interesting. Uh, that, that's okay. how I, I see her, see at least. Yeah, I just I just see her as so arrogant that, <laughs> as a Ravenclaw myself, it makes me angry to see arrogant Ravenclaws. Because... Okay, I just claimed what? snow for my house, so if and, I can and take I totally... snow, and actually I'm a Slitherclaw, so if I have to take both of them, <laughs> you have to take. I I'm call. not saying. I said from the beginning that you're probably right. I, I'm just explaining to you why that's frustrating in the same way we were talking about why it's frustrating that Snow is is a Slytherin. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what about Dean Highbottom then? Dean Highbottom. We, we don't learn too much about him, frankly. We really don't. I could kind of see him being a Hufflepuff and like because he's loyal, he was so hurt and felt so betrayed by what Coriolanus's dad did. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Because he's not a Gryffindor at all. No. Oh, no. I don't think that he's a Slytherin either. Ravenclaw, I guess there could possibly be something there. I mean, he's a dean, but it's not like he really shows up. (laughs) But the element of, of him saying that 
he created the idea of the Hunger Games because it was like a puzzle to solve. That felt very Ravenclaw to me. Well, he said it was, you know, of... purely theoretical. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Which, again, sounds very Ravenclaw to me. Kind of putting this theory together as, okay, if this is the ultimate goal, what is the way of getting there best? Yeah. That sounds pretty Ravenclaw. That's true. And in his interview with Lucky, I think you saw about kind of the ways that he would phrase some of his answers Mm. or ways that he would almost speak in riddles a little bit, I think. He's like, I'm going to give you these breadcrumbs and I want you to get there yourself because I can't necessarily say this. Yeah, I think he has that cleverness. Yeah, that's a good point. So... Ravenpuff? Yeah, or maybe he just is straight Ravenclaw, and the re- one of the reasons he was so mad at Coriolanus's dad was that he took his drunken theoretical idea when it wasn't what he would actually put out into the world. Totally, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I can imagine a Ravenclaw being <laughs> extremely upset about. Oh, I would be mad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, firstly, for it being about the Hunger Games. But secondly, mm-hmm. that was not my work. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, and him being so annoyed that Crassus Snow used his ideas to gain power to really bugged him. Totally. Yeah. Anti-plagiarism. Right? <laughs> Cite your sources. Yeah. Chicago style. <laughs> Is there any other style? Yeah, there's APA. No, I'm joking because Chicago is the history style. So that is the only way you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, what about Clemencia? Clemencia, we don't know a ton about, but Mm -hmm. she definitely was ambitious. She didn't want Dr. Gall to think that she wasn't a part of the work that they submitted and was like really Mm -hmm. frustrated when she thought she might not be seen as doing her part and and working hard and excelling so i could maybe see a bit of slither in there but it's hard to also to know because a lot of her character we see after she's been bitten by the snakes and we don't know how that's affected her as well yeah she seems to be really upset by snow's lack of support for her when she was in the hospital, which made me think that maybe she has some loyalty that she felt betrayed by. Mm -hmm. Well, and she also went to find him in the hospital to tell him that she thought that they were in danger and stuff, which Mm. maybe someone who didn't feel very much loyalty wouldn't have risked their life to do. So, yeah, maybe maybe Hufflepuff, maybe some Slytherin. I think Lysistrata is probably a Hufflepuff because... After Jessup saved her, she seemed to have a lot of loyalty to him Mm. and, like, spoke very loyally of him during her interviews. Yeah, that's true. And and in ways that could be seen as almost radical and, you know, to others. Absolutely. Right? Where, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, and, I mean, I think it would seem like she liked things to be fair, too, because she was saying, like, haven't the districts been punished enough for this we're not still in war why is this still happening you know Mm. yeah 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 i'm very comfortable with putting her there (laughs) as long as you're comfortable with it chris that's what matters Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah then i guess maybe if we quickly want to touch on a couple tributes 
before we close out? Sure. I would say that probably Marcus is a Gryffindor because Mm -hmm. he was just like, nope, I'm not doing any of this. (laughs) I'm not going to talk to Sejanus. I'm not going to take any of his food. Like, I will sit here and I will starve to death before I take anything from you. Which is like, I mean, isn't that something that Harry Potter would so do? Like, he would do that. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) I will not tell lies. (laughs) Exactly. And I will carve this into my hand. <laughs> so, yeah, I I think that will, and he, you know, runs away and all of that. So, yeah, I think he is a Gryffindor. Yeah. Oh, so Janice and Marcus Gryffindor buddies slash crushes. Oh. <laughs> and neither make it out. <laughs> Does not do to be a Gryffindor in the Hunger Games world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gryffindors in Padem, it, it just doesn't work out well. No, it, it really wouldn't. <laughs> what about Reaper? Reaper is also an interesting one. Hmm. I would say maybe he's a Hufflepuff as well. Yeah, I see because that. Because he apologized firstly to everybody that he was going to have to kill them. But then mm. when it came down to it, he didn't. And he took care of Wovi until she died and then he set up that whole kind of monument mass grave situation in this very kind of honoring way and yeah it did feel like there was maybe some loyalty there for solidarity that they were all tributes in these horrible games yeah I saw that too but yeah I mean he was also resourceful using the flag, the flag and, and everything. like trading yeah. with it for food and picking up on the or not not wovi i'm sorry it was dill that was from his district um but he noticed wovi had been poisoned and so then he was like only drinking from the pile of water or trading for food or whatnot and so he he did have a little bit of resourcefulness in him too i think yeah yeah you're right i am right thanks for acknowledging it <laughs> But yeah, in general, Slytherins. A lot, a lot of Slytherins. A lot of Slytherins. But we get to see some people that weren't in the games, because if they were in the games, they wouldn't have survived unless they were probably a Slytherin. <laughs> Maybe yeah, a Gryffindor. True. But we got to see a lot of people <laughs> outside the games, so we have a little more diversity here. <laughs> yeah. At least I get Tigress. <laughs> you only get Dr. Gondine High Bomb. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, well. And I get Lucy Gray, so hey. <laughs> I definitely I a little did bit of, better in this book. <laughs> yeah, I can I can relate to De- Dean Highbottom a little bit in ways that are probably not healthy. So, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we wrap up there? Can you let us know what we'll be doing next week when we get back to our normal rotation of properties and themes? Yeah, so we are going to be returning to Avatar The Last Airbender, and we are going to be analyzing the series through the theme of... Cabbages. (laughs) I don't know if that would be a short or long conversation. It could go either (laughs) way. We are going to be analyzing the series through the theme of... Learning slash education. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. Learning slash education. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm down. Well, thank you for listening to this special sorting chat episode of Geek Between the Lines. 
You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest. Or you can go to our website at bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines. You can also join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines, where you might get in just in time to join us for our special live Zoom chat with our patrons all about the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And that's in addition to all the other great bonus content you get as a patron. You can donate as little as $1 a month, and it really helps us to maintain and expand what we're doing on the show. We want to thank Kimberly Taylor-Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or search for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. And we haven't asked this in a while, but it would be really great if you gave us a rating or a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, but wherever you subscribe to us, it really helps us to find new listeners and to, to get out there more. And tell a friend. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening this week, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek out. out.